Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Your story doesn't need to be your child's story. On the topic of stories, there's an argument to be made that there are really only two types of stories. Those being cautionary tales and success stories. And sure, within those success stories, there may be the stories of overcoming the monster or the quest, the rebirth, or maybe even a rags to riches story. So I was thinking about stories recently, and I was thinking about how this topic can relate to parenting. And what I realized is that it absolutely does. So here's what I see as the main relation or I should say the uh, main connecting point to parenting. Okay, so what so often will occur is that parents will use their own personal cautionary tales and their success stories, and they'll use these as the main method to advise their children. And allow me to be direct on this one. This isn't a good approach. Because for starters, there's no absolute truth for the vast majority of things. And what I mean by that is that for the most part, people cannot accurately predict whether an experience or decision is a good one or a bad one. And to unpack that a bit, here's an example of how this can be the case. Okay, so let's say there's a parent who tells their kid that they should travel the world before going to college because that's what they did. And... It was one of the best decisions that they've ever made because it allowed them to see the world. And not only that, it allowed them to decompress from the high school experience. And furthermore, on their travels, they stayed at a hostel in Paris that was owned by a a retired teacher from Wabasha, Minnesota, who inspired them to become a first grade teacher. And becoming a teacher was the best decision that they've ever made. Because they love teaching and they would have never been interested in teaching if they hadn't met Sven while traveling through Paris. Okay, that would be a success story. But here's the thing that same decision could be, may be used as a cautionary tale for a different parent. So, this other parent who made that same decision to travel through Europe after high school, they may have a child that is wanting to travel. After high school. But this particular parent tells their child that this is a truly awful idea because that's what they did. And it turned out to be the absolute worst decision because while traveling, they were robbed while staying at a hostel in Paris. But even though this happened, they decided to continue to travel for several more months. And during those months, they lost interest. They lost their motivation to go to college. And due to not going to college, they never got the education required to have a job that pays well and one that they enjoy. So this parent may go on to say that they just should have gone straight to college after high school while they were still accustomed, still accustomed to the routines, the habits that are needed to do well in school. Okay, so you see, same decision, but different stories. Different stories with different outcomes. Stories that when remembered and shared 
result in two very, very different types of parental direction. One being, yes, yes, absolutely, do it. And the other being, no, please don't. I will not support or help you pay for your travels. So I share that example to point out that we should not be advising our youth mainly or solely based from our experiences, a.k.a. stories. Now, stories for the most part, they're great. They help us connect with other people. Maybe they make us laugh. They can even inspire us. But in my opinion, and it's a strong one, our stories should not be what's used to advise, to guide, or direct our youth. Our stories should not make up some sort of uh, instructional manual for our youth on how to live a good life or avoid living a bad one. So a bit on, on why this happens so frequently. One main reason is that many parents over-identify with their child. And when this happens, the parents' own experiences, their own stories, may keep their child from writing their own story. It's important to remember, even though they are your child, this doesn't mean that their experiences, that their stories will be the same. Or maybe even they won't be similar to yours. When parents use their stories to direct their child's decisions, what often occurs is that the child is given the message that they are expected to live out their parents' success stories, while at the same time, not making the same mistakes that have been detailed with the aid of their parents' personal cautionary tales. And I get it. Parents do this because they love their kids. So of course they want their kids to be successful in the same ways that they are. And they obviously don't want their child to experience the stress, the suffering that occurred because of what the parent sees as a result of poor decision-making. But even though it can come from a place of love and care, I will say this. Stay out of your stories so that your child can write their own. And I'm not saying this is easy. This can be a difficult thing to do because of how human beings tend to generalize, to categorize their own and other people's life events and experiences. What can occur in the parent-child relationship is that when your child begins to write their own story, you will begin to see the similarities to your own story. And when that occurs, you will disconnect from your child's unique experience. And instead, you will either go to a place of fear or excitement. And this is the case because you are so focused on the similarities of the stories. Here's a little breakdown on this. It can be described as something I call time travel parenting. Because when you think about it, while connecting these stories, what's really going on is that you are time traveling into the past, your past, which is where you will either find success or failure. And then based off of whichever of these you find, you will then hop back into your time machine and travel into your child's future, which is where you will either predict success or tragedy. And this journey through time will either result in you experiencing high levels of fear or high levels of enthusiasm and excitement. And one thing that's really important to know is that while you've been busy time traveling, 
during that time, during that period, you were not present for your child. It is only when we stay out of our stories that we are able to be fully present for our youth. In addition, there is another result of this time travel that I want to point out. So this exercise, which can be seen as pulling from your past to make a prediction about someone else's future. This process will often result in poor predictions. You are using your perception of the past to perceive and then predict the future of your child. So what's going on there is the cognitive process of a perception of a perception. And I hope you can admit that this process can result in some faulty and flawed predictions. Most people tend to overestimate the impact of certain life decisions from their past to account for or to explain their current circumstance, whether that circumstance be one that they see as a success or failure. And on this topic, my favorite way to introduce and discuss it is by sharing and discussing the Robert Frost poem, The Road Not Taken, which is referred to by some as the most misread poem in America. So because I imagine it's been a while since many of you have read it, I'm going to read it now. Okay, here goes. And I'm going to use a, a, a more dramatic theatrical voice for it. Okay. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood. And looked down one as far as I could. To where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though, as for that the passing there, had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Okay, so that was the road not taken. And it's been said that this poem, on a word-for-word basis, may be the most popular piece of literature ever written by an American. But the really interesting thing is that when it comes to interpreting its meaning, almost everybody gets it wrong. It's fascinating to me, hopefully you, that this famous poem is popular for the wrong reasons. And to walk you through this a bit, I'm going to use the words of David Orr. Link will be in the show notes. Okay, so David Orr says this. Most readers consider the road not taken to be a pin to triumphant self-assertion, but the literal meaning of the poem's own lines seem completely at odds with this interpretation. The poem speaker tells us he shall be telling at some point in the future of how he took the road less traveled by. Yet, he has already admitted that the two paths equally lay in leaves. And the passing there 
had warned them really about the same. So the road he will later call as traveled is actually the road equally traveled. The two roads are interchangeable. David Orr continues, So according to this reading, then, the speaker will be claiming, ages and ages hence, that his decision made all the difference. Only because this is the kind of claim we make when we want to comfort or blame ourselves by assuming that our current position is the product of our own choices, as opposed to what was allotted to us by chance. So the poem isn't actually a salute to can-do individualism. It's actually a commentary on the self-deception we practice when constructing the story of our own lives. Okay, so that again was from David Orr, and it was taken from his article entitled, The Most Misread Poem in America. And I wanted to share it because, for one, I think it's interesting and surprising that one of the most famous poems is misinterpreted by many, if not most. But that's not the only reason. I also wanted to share it to make the point that using your perception of the past to perceive and then predict your child's future, well, that might not be the best way to show up for your child and to parent. We can and we should get out of this perception of a perception so that we can be present, calm, and curious about the stories our youth are currently writing. And to close this episode, I wanted to share the words of Julie Lifecott Hames from her great TED Talk entitled, How to Raise Successful Kids Without Overparenting. If you haven't already, please watch this video. Link for it will be in the show notes. It's so good. So please check it out. All right. So I want to share her words in an attempt to connect some of the ideas and concepts I've shared in this episode. Okay. So here are her words. I have to admit something to you. I've got two kids I mentioned, Sawyer and Avery. They're teenagers. And once upon a time, I thought I was treating my Sawyer and Avery like little bonsai trees that I was going to carefully clip and prune and shape into some perfect form of a human that might just be perfect enough to warrant them admission to one of those most highly selective colleges. But I've come to realize, after working with thousands of other people's kids and raising two of my own, my kids aren't bonsai trees. They're wildflowers of an unknown genus and species. And it's my job to provide a nourishing environment, to strengthen them through chores, and to love them so that they can love others and receive love. And the college, the major, the career, that's up to them. My job is to not make them become what I would have them become, but to support them in becoming their glorious selves. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, perspectiveforparents.com. Spelled out, that's perspective, the number four, parents.com. 
Thanks again. <laughs>